0: This message was presented at the GYC 2017 Conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.
1: For the last 15 years, GYC has stood to encourage, to equip, and to inspire young people to do something amazing, radical for God. But as we've looked at the last 15 years, at the last 16 conferences, including this one, we've discussed and we've thought about it, and we've come to the realization that really out of the last 16 conferences, all we've had is maybe three at most that were, at least in name, mission-focused. Yes, we've had mission as a sub-theme. Every year we go out, every year we send buses, and we do things for God. But that's just not good enough. We need to do more than that. This past week, we were thrilled to partner with Pathway to Health and to see thousands of people radically impacted for the rest of their lives almost instantly. People who had surgeries, people who had all sorts of problems come in and leave enriched and knowing that God loves them. We need to be able to do more just as much. This is why we've had Ambassador for the last two years. This is why we've spent so much time trying to look at different ways that we can empower each and every one of you to be involved in ministry. And so we've thought about it, and we're terminating the Ambassador Project because it was such a success. And you'll say, why would you, why would you end it? Because we need to do something more. We need to go beyond
2: And that is exactly why we as GYC have started GYC Beyond. We want to go beyond just the annual conference. A movement is a movement of young people. We're we're moving. We're doing something, not just for four days, but 365 or 366 if it's a leap year. Mm -hmm. And so we have realized it can't continue like this. We want to do more. We have to do more year-round. And so as GYC leadership, we have been praying and thinking, how can we empower you to be able to do ministry where you are? It doesn't matter if it's small or big. Do something. Something is always better than nothing. Amen? And God can bless small endeavors and make them wonderful and successful. And we as GYC, we have been praying and we have been putting together resources, partnering with other ministries And speakers providing resources for you throughout the year so that you are empowered, inspired, and guided uh, to do some kind of personal ministry in your local church, wherever you are, on your campus, in your school, even in your family. But it is a decision we have to make. And I want to be real with you. Every year we make appeals. We had an appeal this morning for missionary service, appeals for, for following God's will. But this appeal, the decision you make, has to go beyond this conference. As we go throughout the year, we have to remember what decision we have made and ask the Lord to guide us into the right direction. And we want to see next year. We want to come back and see what God will do. So my question to you is, who is GYC? Who is GYC? I am GYC.
1: Amen. So this year, what we're trying to do is to, once again, make as many resources available as possible. And we've got our website, gycweb.org slash beyond that we've set up to show a little bit of what's been done over the last few years. The number of baptisms, the number of doors knocked on. And to just give you an idea of what GYC has done, not only at our conference, but even through a, short, a small number of people who are involved in the ambassador program. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be offering a podcast twice a month which will be there to equip and train you in different ways. How can I be involved? Maybe, maybe I don't like door knocking. Maybe I, I, I can't do evangelism in the traditional sense, but how can I be involved in whatever trade I do with what I like to do? What, how can I use that for God in ministry? And so we're going to be trying to use that as an avenue by which you can be more involved. We also have a workbook that we're going to be putting together month by month. Every week you can do a couple pages with activities that will help you succeed. And ultimately, we want to be a support to you as an executive committee, as the organizers of this conference. And so we've set up a page. If you open your phone up, you look on Facebook, you'll see there's a group, GYC Beyond. It's a subgroup under our our main page. It's a group. And you can join that page. And if you have questions, if you're trying to do something in ministry, you can post there. And we will make ourselves available to try to answer questions to help support and lift what you are trying to do. Because ultimately, who is GYC? I am, that's Amen. I want to share with you a quote that really has guided the GYC
2: movement over the past couple of years. It's from the book Education, page 262. Success in any line demands a definite aim. He who would achieve true success in life must keep steadily in view the aim worthy of his endeavor. Such an aim is set before the youth, GYC, of today. The heaven-appointed purpose of giving the gospel to the world in this generation is the noblest that can appeal to any human being. It opens a field of effort to everyone whose heart Christ has touched. Friends, what would happen if we make ourselves available for that noble aim? Let's go beyond and let's come back, by God's grace, at next year's GYC and have a soul-winning celebration Let's have baptisms of GYC, and let's bring people that we have won for Christ to GYC next year. Who is GYC? I am. Amen. Amen.
3: Seven years ago, I was a young person without any experience, talents, skills, or abilities that I knew of. But I had a desire to serve God, and so I asked him to give me an opportunity. The very next week, my opportunity came to me in the form of an invitation to pass out evangelistic flyers. And despite the hot summer's afternoon, I will never forget the joy that was in my heart. As I passed out flyer after flyer after flyer, I was overjoyed because God had given me a chance to be used by Him. Over the years, God has taken me, and despite my flaws, my weaknesses, and my failures, He's grown me and taken me to places that I could never imagine possible. And not only that, but He's given me the ability to work for Him in ways that I'm passionate about and that are important to me. I stand before you a very different person to who I was seven years ago, simply because in being used by God, he has changed me. This afternoon, I want to share three main ideas that I believe will help you get started on an incredible journey. And not only do I think these will help you get started in service for God, but if you're already active, I believe they will keep you in service for God. The first idea that I want to leave with you Is you are not a big deal, but you are. I think so many times we bring the world and its principles into ministry. You know, the world values being seen, being heard, the world values power and authority. And perhaps this is why I had a friend who once shared with me his ambition to become the next General Conference president. In fact, he even mentioned that he wished the Adventist church would have open elections in a similar way to political parties. I must admit, my friend later changed his mind and repented of his desires, but his desire is not really that unique. Even if you and I are not as bold about sharing our ambitions with others, how many of us confuse our desire for ambition and success without a desire to serve Jesus. You know, Jesus had this same problem to address with his disciples. So many times his disciples were fighting amongst themselves over who was greatest, who had the most importance, who would be closest to the king in the heavenly kingdom. In response to this, Jesus shared with him his principles of the kingdom of God and ministry. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be his minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant." even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you have any idea what servants do? Servants work hard without recognition, without appreciation, and without applause. Servants are essentially invisible. You and I are not ready for ministry, until we are willing to be invisible so that God can be seen through us. You are not a big deal. And yet you are. I will explain. In Testimonies, Volume 8, page 16, Ellen White states, All who are ordained unto the life of Christ are ordained for the work of the salvation of their fellow men. The same longing of soul that he felt for the saving of the lost is to be manifest in them. Not all can fill the same place, but for all there is a place and a work. All upon whom God's blessings have been bestowed are to respond by actual service. Every gift is to be employed for the advancement of his kingdom. It doesn't matter how important you are or how unimportant you are. If you are unwilling to work for God, there's a place missing in his service. You are important to him. The second idea that I want to leave with you tonight is to go out and find opportunities. Sometimes people come to me and they ask me, how do I get involved in outreach? I think one of the best ways is to start right where you are in your local church. Why not try talking to an elder or a board representative and ask them what kind of opportunities already exist and are waiting to be filled? I want to warn you that sometimes those opportunities that are available may not be what you initially desire or want. Perhaps your church wants a greeter or someone who can wash dishes. But as we said before, we're not a big deal. Did you know that a greeter is one of the first people to meet those non-Adventists who walk into church? And a dishwasher is doing ministry for God if they are allowing non-Adventists and Adventists to meet together in fellowship over a good meal. We need to be willing to do those invisible, boring tasks before God can give us more. I think often people want to start off in a leadership position. But did you know that for every one minute of stage time at GYC, there's at least 100 hours of boring spreadsheets, phone calls, meetings, late nights, and stress. And if you wonder about that time, I actually calculated it. I remember a few years ago, I was helping with an evangelistic campaign And one of the jobs that I had was to organize the music for every night. I didn't have too much trouble for the first few nights. But at one particular weekend, I couldn't seem to find anyone to fill those positions. Everyone I talked to gave me the same reply. I would love to come, but there's an AFM missionary speaking at another church on Global Missions. I'll come another night. I later found out that some of those people went down and made a commitment to be involved in overseas missions, but I always found it ironic that they were more willing to serve God overseas than in the small opportunities at home. Someone told me once that everyone wants to be a missionary where they aren't. Let's be willing to do those small things for God and do what's needed right where we are and allow him to grow us and give us those opportunities as we follow him. Another way to find opportunities is to sit down and brainstorm ways that you can reach others using skills and talents you already have. So many times we picture evangelism as door knocking, door knocking, and more door knocking. But not everyone is called to be a canvasser or a Bible worker. Everyone has skills and talents that fill out the church body and make up the body of Christ. I like to ask yourself the question, what do I spend my time on? What am I passionate about? And what can I do that can reach others using my already existing talents? I know for myself, something that I learned I can do is play music. And since those last seven years, I have played religious music in hospitals for people who are suffering and dying. I've played on street corners in people's homes at weddings and at funerals. And over and over again, I've seen people's hearts touched and moved to accept Jesus or to be more receptive to his Holy Spirit. Anything can be part of evangelism if it is lived with the intention to reflect Jesus. My last idea that I want to share with you tonight is find people who can help you. So many times we try to do evangelism on our own, And then we become discouraged and we give up. Especially if you're trying to do something like start a small group. Have at least one or two friends who can be accountable to you. that can be your prayer partners and help you when you're feeling discouraged. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn once said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And Forbes magazine, and I quote, they say, if you want to be financially successful, surround yourself with those who are financially successful. If you hang out with people who are broke, you'll never learn how people who aren't broke live their lives. If you want to improve your relationship with your spouse, surround yourself with people in successful relationships. And the Bible supports this principle. And it says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. We will never be successful in evangelism and ministry if all the people in our life don't care about it. Find those people who can teach you skills, that you can go to for advice, that will give you honest feedback and support you. These people are of utmost value in your life. These three ideas that I've shared with you this afternoon are simple. One, be willing to start with the little things, you are not a big deal, but you are because God needs you. And if you are not involved, there will always be an empty place in His work. Second is find opportunities and don't go looking for them somewhere far away, but start right where you are. And my final point is find people who can help you and support you. Because ultimately, all these ideas. Come down to Jesus and Him being the center of our lives. Follow Him, minister with His humility and His character, and make Him your best friend and accountability partner. I promise you that life lived in pursuit of Jesus is worth the effort.
0: That was inspiring. Amen? I have the privilege to share with you a few more things. And the segment they asked me to share on is called guidelines for reaching people. And I said, how long do I have? They said 12 minutes. I said, okay, we are going to talk about guidelines for reaching people. But before we do that, this really can be considered GYC's look at Jesus and outreach. Amen. So who's GYC? We all are. Yes, we are. And we're looking at Jesus and outreach. A few specific amazing principles is what we'll glean right now that you see consistently in the life of Christ. But before we talk about reaching people, I must, I must, I must reiterate the importance of your own communion with Christ. It's read in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings that the soul that turns to God for its help its support, its power, by daily earnest prayer, will have noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth and duty of truth and duty, lofty purposes of action, and a continual hungering and thirsting after righteousness. By maintaining a connection with God, we shall be enabled to diffuse our connection to others. Amen. So this is the initial principle, and I'm going to slip this in here out of just the burden that I carry for the prayer meeting. How many of you went to the prayer room this morning? Powerful. There were almost, I think, a thousand. If Jem is in here, he can agree we're in his seat. A thousand people in the prayer room, amen? Imagine 2,000 tomorrow. I'm going to encourage you with this. Before you start reaching out to people, get on your knees, amen? Amen. Go to your local church. I'll tell you, when I first became an Adventist, I wasn't quite sure where to start. Can any of you relate? Where do I go? Where do I begin? I see a few hands. The first place was my church bulletin. I got the bulletin, and I looked, and I realized that they actually have things going on during the week. And so I thought, I'm going to attend one of these. Do you know, friends, praying in public terrified me. So guess what I did in those prayer meetings? I learned that people say amen when they agree with a prayer, so I was like, amen, amen, and I said amen for the first few months before I finally actually prayed a prayer in the prayer meeting. Attend prayer meeting. It's the pulse of the church. It's the pulse of your own spiritual life, and really it's the pulse of GYC as an entire movement. The people, there are people, friends, who want to know about Jesus. Instead of assuming that they don't want to know, like you're in the grocery store and you see that person and you maybe have a glow track and you're like, they probably are going to reject me. Has anyone ever had that thought? Okay, and you're just like me. I'm like, they're probably going to say no. Instead of assuming that way, let's pray for a mindset that assumes people want to know the Christ I know. Is he worth getting to know? He absolutely is. So I am praying that as a young people who are in the Seventh-day Adventist movement in Remnant Church of God, that we are thinking these people, they want it. Can you imagine? I know this person wants to know about Jesus. We know in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, it tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but what are few? The laborers. Imagine this mass right here, wholly, willingly sold out to labor for the Lord. Fire, my friends. Pentecost, the latter rain would be poured out. And you know, friends, we simply offer choice. We give them the option to say, I want Jesus. Or they can, out of their own free will, say what? I don't. But imagine if they were never presented the opportunity to receive Christ. Look at yourself as a conduit to say, I'm going to give this person one more chance. To pick Christ. Amen? That's a heavy calling on all of our lives. But you see, one day I prayed a simple prayer and I said, God, what is it like to have a day where I'm guided by the Holy Spirit? So I prayed that morning, Lord, help me to feel and be guided by your Spirit. And I I didn't know what I was praying. But that day I rode Amtrak back home and I'm sitting on the Amtrak train. And I see a woman in two, like on the left side, two chairs down, but she's facing me because that's how the Amtrak is with tables. She's facing me and she's weeping. And I'm like, oh, poor girl. And then I started reading my Bible. And then I kept reading, but then I thought, I can't even focus on what I'm reading because here is this woman crying. When you see someone weeping, friends, it's time to be a Christian, it is. So I continued to read my Bible, and I was in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and it said, Behold those who mourn, and yet there's no one to comfort them. <laughs> and I said, Okay, we are going to talk to this woman. So I closed my Bible, and I motioned for her to come over to me, and because I was too scared to go to her. Mercy, the Lord is merciful. So he comes over. She comes over. She sits in front of me. We had the most powerful conversation she took a great controversy with her. We shared about the love of Christ. We had prayer. She was so thankful. Afterwards, I was like, oh, I almost missed that. Next, that same, very same day, I'm at the grocery store, and I'm walking out, and I think the Lord was trying to teach me that, that we miss so many opportunities, that the people want to know about Jesus, friends. He is worth sharing. And so I'm walking out of the grocery store, and I see another woman crying. I feel like it says, women can cry past me. So the woman is walking out of the grocery store and she's Muslim. She has the entire hijab on and she's walking out with her grocery cart and she's weeping. And I walk into the grocery store and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try to learn my lesson. So I tap her on the shoulder and I'm like, Hi, are you okay? That's an awful question. You're obviously not okay. Can I give you- I so I stumbled into this conversation, but she looked at me and she was like, Thank you, wow. I gave her a hug and said, The God of heaven and earth loves you and she's like, amen, and she walked away I found out that her father-in-law had just died and she said, how do I have to go grocery shopping? I feel like the whole world should stop Because it was someone so close to her. See, there are people who are hurting and in need so Jumping through take some notes if you have a piece of paper That's the best way to retain the information you're going to hear We know that number one jesus did more reaching out to people than he did preaching right? Right each of you have a sphere of influence, and they say in any given population, about 5% of those people are ripe and ready for harvest. So wherever you're at, they're there, friends. And when you find someone or begin to pray specifically for someone, know that we do. They did, Jesus did far more reaching out than he did preaching. So how do I reach out? Did you know you can have food with people? And it's so bonding. I know I'm getting very practical here, but having food with someone causes a worship to take place, and a bonding to take place that otherwise wouldn't, right? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Do you think they just sat there and stared at each other? No, they had food, my friends, and they learned about the love of Christ. Number three, Jesus looked for people who were generally isolated. Think of the woman at the well. Think of the demoniacs. You see a person who's alone at GYC sitting in a corner. Why not say, how are you? How's your time been? Kind of bold, but I promise you, being uncomfortable can create some of the most beautiful experiences in your life. Number four, he was simple. He didn't have a set approach to everything he did, right? It actually, we're told in the Desire of Ages that every morning he woke up and received his instruction for that day from his heavenly father. Imagine a life like that. He never had a set speech or format for reaching people, but he was led by the spirit of God each day. Number five, he modeled prayer and fasting. Some of you were here last year where I shared a a small bit on my younger brother, Joey, who introduced me this morning, who we decided uh, that we would pray for him, and every Wednesday we would fast. We would say, God, this isn't seeking your favor through this fast, but it's saying, Lord, I can't imagine heaven without them. And I don't want to go without them. They must be there. Amen. So pleading with God to reach specific people in your life. I was recently challenged with a friend of mine from high school who now this year I am praying specifically for. And Lord willing, she'll be here next year. Amen. Number six, he didn't didn't just reach out to people on the streets. He also went to those who were around him, his disciples, right? So in your local church, there are people who could use your ministry. Don't be afraid to minister, friends. You have something to offer. And I understand that we can smile at them and help them, but in the end, we pray their hearts are given to Jesus. Amen. Number seven, you can give glow. I like glow. We're giving it at Outreach tomorrow. But it's also investing in people without expecting a return. Number eight, this one is more an example or a suggestion. <laughs> Having a prayer relationship with a person. How do I do that? For a month. Tell them, hey, I'm praying for you. Hope everything's okay. Occasionally. You ain't got to do it every day. Okay? The second month, you can be like, do you have anything you want me to pray about? I've been praying for you. You'd be surprised how much they open up. And then the third month, ask them to actually pray together. You would be so surprised how willing people are to share what's on their hearts. And probably the last and most important is Jesus was good environment. He said, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. I am the salt of the earth in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. These are simple principles, but Jesus was good environment everywhere he went. What's the environment like around you? What kind of community do you carry with you? The Lord knows we need him to shine through us. Amen. We know for a fact that it's Christ in us that enables us to live a life wholly devoted to him. I'll end with this story as my time is coming to a close that I started studying the Bible with a lady who was, um, who was Punjabi, Indian, and her religion was Sikhism. And we began to study the word of God. And some of you may have heard this testimony, but every time I studied with her, she had this like furrow in her brow. I thought she was mad at me. I was like, are we good? But every week she wanted me to come back. And we would go eat occasionally, and I remember thinking, what on earth is going to reach this lady? And one day, sitting in front of her house, the verse came into my mind, If I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And we began to pray that prayer into the life of Ranjit, and we began to incorporate her into activities the church would do, and she would come, and slowly that furrow on her brow went away. I'm happy to share with you, after two and a half years, suffer long with people, my friends. After two and a half years, she was baptized this past May. You see power when you give your life to Christ. You see power when you're on your knees, and you see power when you follow the principles He followed in reaching people.
4: Thank you, Lisa. That's powerful. When I was a youth director in the Texas Conference, I remember Lisa coming out. Isn't she inspiring? Very practical. I'm Pastor Gary, the World Youth and Young Adult Director, and I'm really excited to be at JYC. Are you guys happy to be here? Amen? Amen. You know, I have a theory. I don't know if you'll agree with me on this theory or not, but I have a theory that young people were designed by God to live dangerously for Him. I really do. Amen? We weren't designed to play it safe. I've found that young people are attracted to churches that live dangerously for God. Churches that are involved in mission and causes for the Lord. Young people want to be a part of those churches that are living dangerously for God. Amen? You know, I have a verse in the Bible that I think kind of proves this theory. It's Psalms 127, verse 4. It says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Isn't it interesting that the Bible describes young people as arrows in the hands of a warrior? I don't know about you, but arrows are not designed to go to safe places, are they? Now, maybe in the, maybe in the hands of an archer, maybe, because the archer might be target practicing. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, young people are arrows in the hands of a warrior. The only time a warrior uses an arrow is to shoot that arrow into the most dangerous place, the front lines of the enemy's attacking force. I believe our young people were designed by God to be sent into the most dangerous places of the earth in His name to do mighty things for Him. Amen. Some of you youth leaders listening right now, stop playing around with your young people. It's not your seating capacity. It's your sending capacity. God wants you to send them. And when God comes back, may he not find your quiver full of arrows, young youth leader and parents. May he find the enemy full of arrows. We've got to send them. Young people, you were designed to live dangerously for God. We need to bring the danger back into the Seventh-day Adventist church. We need to be challenging our young people to go into the secular universities like Daniel and stand true for God and speak about his love and the warning message that he's given us in the three angels message. We need to send our young people into the cities of the world like Doug, Doug Venn has been talking about and reach the people in the cities in the various last days of earth's history. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not concerned about the emerging church. I'm concerned about the submerging church. A church that was like called like Jonah to go into the cities with the three angels' message, but instead goes down to Joppa, down into the belly of the, or, or the boat, then, down into the sea, down into the belly of the whale, a church that 's submerging is a church that creates an emerging church. We need to get serious, folks. You were designed by God to live dangerously, and that may be going to another country in the 1040 window where they 've never heard the message of Jesus, or it might be right there in your community living dangerously for the Lord. But young people, you are designed to live dangerously for God. You see, Pastor Gary, where do I go to get started? Here's a real simple idea. Everybody say go Go to to the the booths." booths. Amen. There's a bunch of booths with tons of ministry opportunities. Check it out. Find one that God is putting on your heart. This is where you are being sent as an arrow. And let them train you and equip you and send you into the most dangerous places of the earth. And guess what? Here's the amazing thing. Nothing can happen to you outside of God's will. You don't need to be afraid. You are immortal in God, until God says otherwise, right? Take that with a grain of salt, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Amen. You know, we need to rewild the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You say, Pastor, what's that mean? Well, in 1995, did you realize that Yellowstone National Park was suffering? They were losing a lot of their wildlife. Why? Because the deer population had grown up. And the deer were eating all the berries, which attracted the bears and the small rodents. The coyotes were eating up all the rodents as well. And so you were losing the eagles and the hawks. It was affecting the entire terrain of Yellowstone. And then in 1995, they came up with a term called rewilding. And that basically means, bring the wolves back, please. You know what they did? They brought the wolves back. They had banished the wolves. But as soon as they brought the wolves back, guess what happened? The wolves began to eat the coyotes, which saved the berries and the small rodents. The wolves began to chase off all the deer that were eating all the foliage and messing with the streams and chasing off the beavers and the hawks and all that. As these wolves began to take over, as danger began to come back into Yellowstone, the place came alive. Need to bring the danger back into the Adventist church. We need to start talking about not just living this life now, but preparing for the life to come need to be going into the most dangerous places of the earth and letting people know the good news that we have a Savior, but the world is coming to an end very soon. We have a Savior, though. This message must go to the world. We need to start living dangerously again. We need to rewild the Seventh-day Adventist Church. There are places in the 1040 window where they have maybe 900,000 people and two Adventists. Why couldn't we send teams of young people? We need to bring the wolves back. And you say, Pastor Gary... Jesus never said anything like that, did he? Yeah, he did. He said, I send you out among wolves. He said, I didn't send you to the easy places. I'm sending you into the enemy's front lines. I'm sending you out where there's wolves. And then he said something very beautiful. He said this, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. One of the things I've learned about serpents is that serpents are extremely strategic. Everybody say strategic. This means they don't work harder. They work smarter. They're strategic. What he's saying is, I send you among the wolves. Make sure that you're strategic. And then he says, be as wise as a serpent and what? As gentle as the Holy Spirit. As a dove. Be gentle. Let them hear in your life and see in your works the love of Jesus Christ. But go into the most dangerous places of the earth. Where is God sending you, young people? Where does He want you to go? It's a famous story. You've heard it before, I'm sure, about these missionaries that were planning to go into a dangerous part of the world, but they they were just kind of afraid to go in there. So many obstacles, so many dangers. Haven't you noticed that whenever you want to do God's work, there's always ten spies to tell you a million reasons why you shouldn't go? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Where are the Calebs and the Joshuas? Yeah. Yeah. Where are the young people that say, you know what? You may say that I can't reach this country or this part of the world because they're post-Christian, post-post-Christian, pre-Christian, and all these reasons why I can't go. But Jesus said the harvest is ripe. It's the laborers that are few. So, I've got to decide whether I'm going to listen to Jesus or the ten spies. Jesus says go because the harvest is right. You just need to go. It's a labor problem, it's an arrow problem. Amen. Anyway, back to my story. Got to <laughs> preach in there, didn't I? And I only have three minutes left. Wow, they're tough here. They're really tough here at see. So, these guys are trying to decide should we go or not go? Apparently, according to the story, there was a war general sitting not too far away, and he turned to the war general. He said, Sir, here's the situation, and here are the problems that we're facing. To go into this area, it's very dangerous. What should we do? The general smiled, looked at him, and said, What are your orders? What are your orders? There are 30,000 different denominations in the world. And I'm not saying we're better than everybody else But I can tell you for certain That God has given us a greater responsibility Than every denomination in the world today God gave the Seventh-day Adventist church The very last message of hope and warning Before He comes back We know that because right after the three angels message We see Revelation 14 verse 14 Which describes the second coming We've been given God's famous last words we got to stop being the submerging church And be a dangerous church for God What are your orders, young people? What are your orders? Don't consult with with the 10 spies. You might even be one of the spies internally discouraging yourself. But God is calling you to go. And by the way, his biddings are enablings. You may not understand it. I just got back from Malawi, Africa. And they were telling me stories. It's been hundreds of years, or years and years, I should say, since David Livingston was there. But that man made an impact. He went as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove and converted many, many people Because he acted on God's orders Amen. Amen GYC, will you act on God's orders Or will you consult with the ten spies You were designed to live dangerously For God Amen. So My brother Eric is going to come out here right now I'm sure And I want you to reach out and grab this card It says beyond my commitment This is really exciting Wouldn't it be awesome if you come back here next year or wherever G.Y.C. is going to be and you bring somebody with you that you've led to Christ? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if starting today, like an arrow, you went into the most dangerous places of the earth and you shared the message of Jesus with somebody, won them to Christ, and then brought them to G.Y.C.? Eric, tell them about how that can happen.
1: Pull out the card that you have on your seat and take a look at it. It says, I blank. If you take out a pen, you can fill in the blank. It says, I commit to making myself available for God to reach others through me in 2018. I will dedicate my time, my talents, and finances for this purpose. And then we have the word like here. How to easily like people. And some of us maybe don't like a lot of people, but we all have an opportunity to. L stands for what? List. List five to seven people you'd like to see baptized. I, intercede for them daily. K, kindness shown through words and acts and finally encourage Bible studies and decisions. I want you to write down five to seven people, pray and say, Lord, who would you have me to reach this year for you? I don't want to come back to GYC again with no fruit. I want to come back to GYC with someone else. I want to be in heaven someday with heaven being a better place because of what you were able to do through me. I want the heart of God to be more full because there were less lost in the process. I want to take heed to that verse in Jude, what is it, Jude, 20, Jude 1 verse 23 where it says, Others save from the fire, hating even the garment defiled from the flesh. You know, we cannot hate the world and sin unless we see what it does to people. And as we look at people and as we try to save them, as we study with them, as we encourage them, as we go to our workplace, our neighbors, our communities, as we do things for Christ, we begin to see how horrible, how despicable, how terrible sin is. I tell you what, I've, I've been involved in Bible studies in places and communities I don't really want to drive into. And as I spend time with those people, like sometimes you cringe and you're like, I, I don't really want to be here. You know, how, how could people get to this place? They're, they're in poverty and they're living in circumstances that God never intended for anyone to have to go through. They're dealing with drugs. They're dealing with addictions. They're dealing with lives that just quite honestly is completely miserable. And yet we drive past these communities. We work with people who have lives that are just filled with no meaning, filled with nothing that can really get them through life day by day. And so I want to challenge you. Say, Lord, I make this commitment. I'm going to list by your grace five to seven people. I'm going to stick this on my fridge. I'm going to look at it every single day. And when I don't know what to do, I'll get on my knees and I'll pray for someone. I was so encu- encouraged by Lisa this morning saying that she prayed for her brother every day to not be able to sleep. And have a good night's sleep until he became a Christian. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that? I want to challenge you, GYC. Who is GYC anyways? We are GYC. You are GYC. I want to pray a prayer of commitment over your cars. Some of you have filled them out already. Some of you will fill them out. And I just want to encourage you to take the time. Pray over your cars. I want to encourage you to get into a group of maybe two, two or three people, however is comfortable wherever you're sitting, and say, Lord, here are the names. Maybe you haven't written them down. Think of some names. He'll bring them to mind and say, Lord, these are the people that I want to see won in the next year. I want to come back next year, GYC. We'll have a soul-winning festival of some kind. We'll have a plenary session, perhaps, where we will have an opportunity to hear the stories of what God did through you this year, to find out how he worked powerfully and to celebrate with joy the baptisms that may even, we may even be able to do some baptisms there. I'm pushing. We want to see a baptistry on the stage. Amen. We've gone far too long without doing that. So I encourage you at this time, get into groups of two or three and let's have a short prayer and I'll close as we end off.
0: This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 conference arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.